Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Gary Lipsky. Thanks for being on the show, Gary. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. Thank you very much for saying that, Gary. I appreciate that you're listening and appreciate all the other listeners that are with us today and every day. But Gary owns a piece of 1,585 units, both actively and passively. He founded the nonprofit Core Educational Services in 2004, and he runs a downtown Los Angeles real estate meetup. Gary, thank you so much for that short bio, because I know the listeners would much rather hear you talk about yourself than me. But just in case they've never heard of you, tell them a little more about who you are and what you're doing right now in real estate. Well, I first started investing in real estate in 2002, and it was my first house I bought. And I always considered that as an investment and a way to build wealth. I converted the garage into an office space, and I used that for my office and was able to help pay my mortgage that way because I was essentially house hacking. And so I continued to do rehab on my house and improved the value and then traded up and bought another house. And that, that was like my first taste of like real estate and wanting to do it on a bigger scale. But at the time I had my own business and we ran after school programs throughout Los Angeles and served 9,000 kids daily. I sold that at the end of 2016 and got into real estate full time at that point. So I've been doing it two and a half years and I love it. I love the action. I love collaborating with others and just constantly learning more and more. Wow. Serve 9,000 kids daily. That's impressive. That's very impressive. Yeah. Thank you for serving that community in that way as well. That's a testimony. Wow. Not just anybody can build a nonprofit to be able to do something like that. So that's awesome. So you moved into full-time real estate. Tell us a little bit about that real estate journey. And we know you've invested passively in quite a few deals. And then how did you know that it was going to be syndication that you wanted to jump into as opposed to house flipping or even buying duplexes or something like that as opposed to trying to go to larger commercial space? You know, investing in real estate is, it's like chasing a squirrel. There's like, there's so many ways to invest in real estate. And quite honestly, I didn't know I wanted to invest in syndication from the beginning. You know, I was do I want to invest in a duplex? I was constantly looking. And then I'm a scale guy and I like building teams. And you're you're buying a duplex or a quad. It's more of a mom and pop. And I wanted to run a legitimate real estate business. And the best way to do that is through a syndication and partnering with others. So when you've got that scale, you can have more partners and you're sharing resources. So that's what I liked about it. And so Probably about six months into my real estate journey, I really focused on that. And that included going to tons of meetups, conferences, reading books, just constantly educating myself on all the different avenues and really focusing on the syndication path. Okay. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people get here by a lot of people. And I just talked to somebody else just the beginning of the week who talked about they had to do flipping first or like they had to do that. Like they had to just kind of graduate. Well, to get into something like an apartment. And you know, I know before syndication, you know, you see those big apartment buildings and you think, wow, who could buy one of those? Maybe right. I'll be there 20 years from now or 30, maybe. So yeah, it's neat to learn about syndication and figure out that, okay, there's ways to make this happen. And it's what you just said by being able to partner and scaling that way. 
So tell us a little bit about, you had a background, like you said, of building teams. Tell us a little bit about the first team that you built to get your syndication business started, what that looked like, maybe the first business partner or what that looked like. Well, quite honestly, it's constantly building bigger and bigger and bigger, whether it's equity partners or people with maybe more experience than me or access to capital. So I'm constantly always looking to build that team and doing that at conferences and meetups and stuff like that. But just doing local meetups, quite honestly, you start seeing the same people and talking to them and what do they need? What do I need? And seeing how we can help each other. And that's actually how I found my partner in the syndication business, Kyle Mitchell, by consistently going to the meetup, talking about deals, visiting properties together, talking to brokers. He knew some brokers that I didn't, and I knew brokers that, that he didn't. And we just kept sharing our resources. And then it just kept growing from there. We didn't necessarily set out to be partners, but it kind of evolved that way because we were putting the time in together. So how would you say, it's kind of a different question here, but how would you say investing in many other passive deals or deals passively prepared you for being a syndicator? Definitely deal flow. Just seeing how they're underwriting, reversion cap, how are they looking at a market? I would save every investment offering I got and say, oh, I like that, how they did that. Oh, I like how they did that and kept building that file. And the first bunch I got, I didn't quite honestly know what I was doing, but the more I see, the more knowledge I gain, the more if I start seeing 10, 20, 30 in the same area, now I can start comparing. And that's where like, the learning curve really shot up. So it was good to get that deal flow because in the beginning, I didn't have the deal flow to compare and that helped really create a good base for me when I started doing my own deals to know what people are offering and why and how they put it together. So you sold your business, the nonprofit, and you said, okay, I'm doing syndication, I'm moving, I'm doing this full time. And you're committed, right? You're committed to doing this. And so tell me about the path to that first deal. Actually, I'm involved in the nonprofit. That was a for-profit business that I sold. Okay. We did okay. kind of similar stuff. But your question was, how do I... Just the path to your first deal. Give us some of the bumps in the road or some things you learned in getting to that first deal. How did you get there? That's the hardest one. Yeah. Yeah. So initially... I was looking at some smaller deals, a 12 unit, stuff like that. And when we were doing the due diligence, we ran into problems, 25,000 here, 25,000 there. And on such a small deal, it just didn't make sense if the seller wasn't giving me anything back. And then that's when I really looked at the bigger properties. When you have some fixes to do, you can build that into the budget and it's not a problem. Again, you're sharing the resources and multiple eyes on the same property. So that really escalated me to the next level. So each deal I started underwriting and submitting LOIs and we'd get to a best and final. And even though we didn't get it, it was still a great learning opportunity. I went through that and I felt so much more comfortable in future best and finals and I knew how to get there or how to add a person if I didn't have the experience needed for this kind of property, bringing on someone that had the experience or the net worth of liquidity to make sure I was a viable buyer. So probably lost out on like three best and finals, but got 42 unit in Tucson. And, you know, we learned part of it was making sure the bank don't overpromise what, you know, because your rate can change, your loan proceeds can change, and that could have a huge effect. So definitely really underwriting conservatively. And if the rates are better or even worse, you're prepared for that. And if they're better, then that's great. More higher returns for the investors. But if not, then your preparedness built in for that as well. So how many deals would you say you all underwrote before you got to closing on a deal? 
geez, probably over 150 deals, you know, and each, each time you get more comfortable, faster, you get a better hang of it. And I certainly probably drove some property managers crazy because if we were going hard for it, we'd walk property with them. We'd make, I'd make sure they do a pro forma for me, make sure we're on the same team, you know, walk the property again, walk all the comps. Like I don't great that when people provide me information, but it's trust and verify, you know, I want to make sure I've uncovered every stone and I know exactly what this deal is so that when I'm looking to raise money, I want to make sure I can deliver and it's a tremendous responsibility. That's awesome. 150. I just think a lot of listeners need to hear that because you know, a lot of people think, well, we're going to underwrite one or two deals and we're going to find something. And so what about how many LOIs were submitted before having this one under contract or closing, I'll say? LOI submitted, maybe 10. So okay. most deals don't pan out or you talk to the broker and you're far off from what they want. So you might not write an offer. So from the 150, I only had 10 LOIs. Okay. Now that's good. And then, you know, you had three that went best and final, I think you yeah. mentioned. And so what made you stand out on the one that you got to the closing table as opposed, you know, what was the difference in the ones that you didn't get to the closing table, but you were best and final as opposed to the one that you did? I think this deal was sitting for a little longer. Actually, no, I take that back. This one, we actually saw before anyone, we were looking at other deals and this one came about because we were there. So we were able to take advantage of that. You know, we had a lead time on that one. And so we underwrote it and we were aggressive right from the beginning and we were able to get it. 42 units, kind of in that middle range, bigger than maybe some smaller players and smaller than some of the bigger players. So kind of that middle ground that we were able to capture and we felt that it had great upside. Yeah. And so where was this property located, 42 units? It's in uh, Tucson, Midtown area. And Tucson has been recognized as one of the top rent growth areas in the States in the last couple of years. Wow. Awesome. And you mentioned earlier conservative underwriting, right? You know, you all want to underwrite conservatively. What does that mean to you? So when we underwrite, we'll probably typically use about 200 basis points from what we were purchasing the property at as far as the cap rate. So we might buy it at a four and a half Phoenix and Tucson, which it's potentially lower than other areas, but the rent growth and the population growth is much higher there. So we will underwrite about six and a quarter, six and a half, 6.75, depending upon the location of the deal. We get uh, loan terms from a bank. And on this recent deal, they said 3.92%, 70% loan proceeds. So we might underwrite at 67% loan proceeds, maybe four and a quarter, because what the rate is now isn't necessarily what the rate's going to be in 60 days when we lock rate or if it's Freddie, maybe sooner. We'll also have if rent growth has been 7%. We're not going to necessarily write it out 7%. Maybe the first year is going to be 3% rent growth and some subsequent years, maybe cut it down to 2%. Each deal is a little different, but we definitely want to make sure that it's hard to predict what's going to happen in three or four years. So we want to make sure we're very conservative and we're protecting our investors' money. Of course. What was the hardest part of getting that specific deal to the closing table? Raising money, okay. <laughs> quite honestly. Once we got over the hump of getting something under contract, it's raising money. It's not, for me, as fairly new to syndication, you've got to build up that base. And there's a lot of people that trust me based on my business successes, but getting them to put up money the first time I had tons of people that said, I'm going to invest with you the second time, the third time, the fourth time. That first time though, is you're stepping out of your comfort zone and you're asking people to believe in, in you. So it was an experience. <laughs>
So was there a secret to how you got it done or anything that was like maybe a big learning moment to how you got past that? I never pushed anyone. I just shared the opportunity. And I felt just people, when we talked through the deal, they felt confident in it. And I'm looking for lifelong relationships with people. So it's just being patient. And, you know, I don't care if they invest with me on this deal or the second deal or the third deal, but down the road, they're going to hopefully trust me because I'm producing good returns. And I'm saying, I'm doing what I'm saying I'm doing and under promising and over delivering. You know, that's my philosophy. That's right. And when did this deal close? We closed this uh, a few weeks ago. Okay. And so what's been, you closed, what's happened since then that maybe you didn't expect and give us kind of a rundown of how the management's going. So before we even closed, we changed the name. It was originally Townhouse East Apartments, which was a horrible name. We changed it to Midtown on 2nd. Got a great new logo. We were out there last week for a couple of days, met with our management team and reviewed the business plan, walked all the units again. So things are moving great in the right direction. We are starting uh, painting soon and just rehabbing, starting to rehab the units, communicating with the tenants, and everybody seems really pleased. We're already getting rents that without doing the rehab yet on some of the units. So it's looking great, but it's just constantly staying on top of it. We'll consistently be out there looking at new properties, making sure this one's running well, and we keep pushing so we can uh, maximize the value. What's a system that you've put in place that's going to help you operate this property the best? We use Google Drive a lot. So anytime we have a meeting regarding this property, we have a tracker. So we put the date, what was discussed. So we're not going back and saying, hey, what did we discuss on this date? And weren't we supposed to do this? So we always have a timeline of what we're supposed to do and when it's supposed to be completed. So we're constantly tracking that. And we use Google Docs a lot to track all the properties we look at, we underwrite there because you quickly, as you start picking up steam, you quickly lose track of what property, what you said you're going to do. So we want to track everything so that we're on our A game. Nice. Can you elaborate on like the tracking process a little bit or even how you organize that? I mean, because I've seen many different ways and you're a systems guy, you build teams, you're really good at that. And just how does that work for your team and you see it long term? I mean, it's constantly evolving and we'll, oh, let's tweet this, let's tweet that. But as simple as the conversation piece for the property, you know, we've got for each property that we've seen, we have a tab and we'll put in the date, what was discussed, timeline. So just very simple. I always believe start simple and you can improve later. Just get something down and consistently do it. We actually have a VA working for us now that just does some preliminary research on a property as far as median household income, population growth, poverty level, so that before we even start underwriting, we can determine whether we want to underwrite this deal or not. It just helps us. And we'll continue to use VAs more in the future. Where's your VA at? Philippines. Okay. Are you using Upwork or did you find them through some other way? A friend of mine actually owns a VA company. So I just went with her and she's been great so far. Great, great. What is your all's uh, buying criteria? Well, we want to make sure the median household income is above $35,000. First of all, we like that $35,000 to $55,000 range. We want to make sure there's a value add. So we look for owners that have had the property for 15 plus years. We don't want that hot potato property that's been flipped over every couple of years, even though the brokers might sell it as a value add. 
certainly, you know, when it's been flipped many times, there's just not as much value add. So we definitely look for someone that's owned it 15 plus years. They haven't been pushing the rents. So there's a, a lot of rent growth. 150 plus we're looking for. Even just from the pictures, if it looks very modern, we know eh, it's probably not for us because we, there's only so much value we can add to that. And we like typically more places with high population growth. Uh, Phoenix has been obviously one of the highest population growth areas in the country for, for years. Tucson has been doing uh, very well. So those are some of the areas that we like. Great. Great. In your opinion, what are a couple of things that are very important for a syndicator to have a successful business? Organization. <laughs> if you're not organized, because you're dealing with investors, you're dealing with the property management company. Now, on the legal end, there's many things you got to check. So you got to be organized. If you're not organized, it eventually will catch up to you. So organization is key. I believe. Is there a way that you stay organized other than Google Drive or maybe some tips that you have? When I get a property under contract, I'll create a timeline so that I make sure I hit every deadline. So I use Excel a lot. Excel is a great tool. And then that can be uploaded into Google Drive as well. That's my key thing. And I'll track everything there. So investors who I've talked to, KP, everything that needs to be done, the work that needs to be done in a workflow as well. Because I want to jump on that stuff right from the beginning too. So the more prepared I am, the more organized I am, the better off my properties are going to be and my investors are going to be. That's great. And what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Never stop learning. Tons of conferences. I go to lots of real estate meetups, reading books, blogs, and there's information everywhere. I'm not learning something just from a 20-year veteran. I'm learning from even newbies or how they look at things. And so in real estate, you'll never stop learning. And that's my key to my success. Never stop learning. What's a way that you like to give back, Gary? Well, through Core Educational Services, the nonprofit I started, we've served over thousands of underserved youth in the last 15 years. So we just had a fundraiser a couple months ago and just going to different events and supporting youth. Uh, that's something that's been near and dear to me for a long time. Nice. No, that's awesome. And Gary, you've been a fantastic guest. I just appreciate you telling us about your road to getting to this deal and some bumps in the road and things you've learned. And just sounds like you've been a successful entrepreneur. You've learned a lot how to run these businesses and now you're applying it to syndication as well. Tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and get in touch with you. I have a website, www.breakofdaycapital.com. You can email me, Gary at breakofdaycapital.com. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Great. Thanks again, Gary. Appreciate all the listeners being with us today and every day. I hope you all will leave me a rating and review. I hope you're sharing the show and learning a lot. If you have suggestions or comments, I'd love to hear them in the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show. I hope you're active in there where we can all learn from experts like Gary and grow our businesses together. We will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.